You seem like you're really passionate about what you do. Like you're such a nerd about it. I oh yeah, that. I mean, we can nerd out. Uh, I appreciate that this one wasn't more of a technical kind of thing because yeah. we could go long hours of yes. just nerding out about. <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is Brazil, and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Katie Williams, who is a cinematographer that shoots feature films, TV shows, commercials, music videos. She's really chill, actually, a very down-to-earth person. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to make it in Hollywood, how to properly network, um, psychology, therapy, uh, business skills, making major investments, whether or not film school is worth it and what it's like to be a woman uh, achieving a lot in a male-dominated industry, especially behind the scenes, behind the camera. Um, she's an incredible person, and I'm glad that she was able to sit down and share her story with us. So, enjoy the show. Hello, Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, happy Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. Um, tell us, what do you do? Well, for a living, I am a cinematographer in the film industry. So that could mean very different things every day, whether I'm doing a narrative, a car shoot, um, a commercial of some sort. Every day is different, and that's what I love about this industry and job in particular. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it, too. I love the variety of it, of yeah. being creative. You know? Or just, you know, learning things that you would never thought that you'd be interested or be in the position to be hearing about. Just like cars, I never thought that I would be like a car person, but then I started like filming them and get bonding with them, getting to know like what makes this car special, what does that, and all of a sudden now I'm a car person just because I was filming them. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because as a... Uh, as filmmakers, we're always filming somebody who's probably really good at what they do. Like yeah. if we're filming a mechanic, they're probably not a horrible mechanic, you know? <laughs> right. Chances more are, of the elite. Yeah. Chances are whoever's <laughs> in front of the lens is great at what they do. So we're really privileged. Like we get to hang out with people that are just awesome. Right. We get these yeah. opportunities to, yeah, just hang out with cool people, cool creatives, fellow <laughs> you know, film people as well, so. Yeah, I heard um, Yanni was telling me about this project you did with Bretman Rock. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. What was that adventure? Uh, yeah, so that was probably my favorite project this year that I've shot. Um, it was called 30 Days with Bretman Rock, and it followed him as he took a journey into the jungle trying to survive. And we filmed it in Hawaii, so that was also a privilege in its own just to be surrounded by and um, you know sometimes it's tough when you do not have like production design or art department around but I feel like on that project Hawaii was its own production designer provided yeah. its own kind of like visuals and visually pleasing kind of you know state so, to film in. What, what, what was the days like? Were you guys just out in the jungle figuring it out? Did you guys have a plan for all his adventures? Yeah well you know we started like at his house and we started filming there and I loved setting the look. I appreciated working with him because, you know, I didn't know if he was gonna be kind of like, oh, I wanna be beauty lit or, you know, filming from this way. He was not at all like that. A lot of the times I was just turning the lights off or getting a nice contrast ratio. You know, he had no problem with any of the ways. And so I really liked the way we were setting and establishing the look 
via yeah. the house. And then moving into the jungle, you know, uh, there was moments of like hard light that I like was like, oh no. Um, but there was ways you can manipulate the camera and stuff to at least get a backlight or get, you know, that far side key that we always like. Um, and then a, a lot of times got lucky because the clouds would decide to come out or rain would decide to come out. And that's an added texture that we yeah. all love in the film <laughs> industry. And it was magic moments because there was a time when like Bretman was getting emotional and the rain came along too. Like Hawaii oh was God. just like, when we feel happens, for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, magic moments. Uh, and a lot of the things that I loved filming did not make the final show, of course. Like, right. I feel like that's with everybody is that our favorite shots never seem to make the final project, which, you know, makes you think a lot on some of the things we overthink and like trying to perfect, like, what are the chances this is even going to make it in? So I think we should release a lot of that. But there was like a moment when he had just started a fire and then it started to rain. And so there was this nice, like, nature color contrast of yeah. the blueness from the environment and the rain. And then the orange from the fire. It was like a nice color contrast. It didn't make it in, but <laughs> you might see it in my next reel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. So... <clears throat> I'm losing my voice already. Let me get some water. Right? That, that's the key to these is water. Ow, <laughs> <clears throat> now, brown cow. <clears throat> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> how'd you get started in this? That's a great question. But I suppose it goes back to probably about elementary school when my twin sister and I both, like, found, I think, our dad's like video camera so we started making home videos of stupid stuff right and just having like a really fun time doing it and learning it and being very like amateur filmmakers and just um finding a passion in this kind of creative format and the in middle school and things you know school was always like hey what do you want to do in life? And it turns out that our fun hobby of making videos, uh, some people pursue it as a career. <laughs> so we decided to follow that path. And now... How old were you when you made that decision? Oh, I would definitely say it was middle school because I can remember like those career people coming by. So I suppose that would be like 12-ish. Yeah, but it wasn't like a certain kind of thing it was just like oh I I gotta say something let me say this but it ended up being you know what we wanted to pursue especially now thinking about it what I would replace it with I don't know how did it start becoming more than just a hobby of you filming at home to it being like you're doing projects um I think that probably became you know it evolved from those home videos to like YouTube videos on like a little digital camera. Still not professional, like one of those point and shoot kind of things. Yeah, that yeah. Does all the settings. Um, and then kind of getting into fun with editing. So while we were still doing that, we were still in front of the camera too, front and behind. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh, we enjoyed 
being the only people in our videos. So, like, it became more, like, of an editing trick of editing multiples of two, you know? Like, there was no longer two of us, and uh, there was four, and I think there was up to, like, 16 of us in one shot before. So, I'd <laughs> so say... you guys it, were creating for, yeah, like, social yeah, media and stuff like that? Yeah, there was probably a time where I would have thought that I was going to be more of an editor because of, you know, finding yeah. fun tricks and stuff yeah behind that job but yeah um were your parents supportive i feel like really blessed to know that i have a very supportive family um from the parents to grandparents everyone literally always encouraged us to be what we wanted to be you know like we were definitely creatively like strange and more fun kids and I always felt supportive like never they never tried to put us into more of a normal mold or something that we weren't um and I think they also saw the opportunity of the pursuing a career does actually have like longevity to it it's not so they saw that they didn't think yeah it it wasn't yeah we didn't have to pitch it and be like peeps listen uh you know what, yeah. <laughs> you know, if we do this, this, and this, it'll become, but no, they, they were always supportive. They still are. Um, and I'm also probably more close to family as, you know, as I reach out to some of my friends that don't seem so, you know, have that bond. I, and I wonder if some of it has to do because, you know, they weren't as supportive, but yeah, as far as my upbringing, I always felt supported by them so shout out to the parents yeah Yeah. it makes a big difference you know I think I I didn't realize how special it was to have my parents supporting me because they're both artists they both do classical ballet and uh, dancing and stuff like that so I grew up in an artsy family that's really uh, cool I to me it was just normal I'm like of course my parents make cool stuff you know (laughs) and then as I grew up and meet people or go to seminars and I hear people telling me about their like parent problems I'm like oh my god nope other people don't have super supportive parents like this like it's uh, a it came kind of came was a shock to me you know and it, and it has such a big impact wow on our ability to yeah. create you know did right. they um did they think you were going to go to college to do something else did you go to college uh did they go to college did you oh yeah i i went to film school I okay so you did go to film school sister. yeah okay where'd you go uh we went to full cell in florida that's awesome that's yeah. the school that i originally wanted to go to really <laughs> yeah how was it it was okay i mean i feel like it offered a lot of opportunities that mm-hmm. I don't feel like I took advantage of. Mm. So, you like know, what? Um, you know, like you could rent out cameras and uh, shoot projects on your own, like yeah. create side projects while simultaneously being at film school, you know, like you could take advantage of having some of that. And yeah. I never did that, you know, <laughs> I don't know why I feel like now or, or like even Getting out of film school, I would have more appreciated that and the opportunity to be able to, like, not even rent out, but you sign out the equipment and then you can use it. You yeah, know? they have a lot yeah. of resources. I feel like, yeah, I didn't take advantage. I did not, you know, I never, you would try out for the roles and I never got the DP position. But I don't yeah. know, looking back at what I thought was work, um, <laughs> probably wouldn't have chosen me anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, no blame on that. Had um, you worked yet at, at that point in college, or was it still just a hobby mode? Um, no, I, I did not professionally, I wouldn't say work. 
Okay. Yeah. What was your first time getting paid to shoot? <laughs> the first time getting paid was definitely when I did move out to Los Angeles, which was right after graduating. We just uh, came out here and said, all right, we're doing it. Um, so the first job that was paid was, I believe, I was attempting to first AC. Okay. And the rate... For, for those who don't know, what is that? Uh, first AC is first assistant camera, so you're pretty much the person who builds the camera, who does the focus, who's pretty much over the, the, the camera, aside from opping and actually shooting it. Right. Um, yeah, that's your camera. You're... So you attempted to go for that. So you came yeah. out. So okay. So let, let's rewind. So you went to school. Yes. You you learned some stuff. I I learned I that I would accredit that to finding that the director of photography okay. position because okay. before that I didn't know. I thought I maybe wanted to be a producer. Right. Like so, what no. made you choose being a director of photography? Well, I figured out what this person was, and it seemed like the coolest person on set. For those who don't know, what is that person? Describe a director of photography okay. in the way you see it. Yeah. So the cinematographer is the person over lighting and camera. Those two department, well, three departments: lighting, grip, and camera. And um, the person who's over the whole visuals of, you know, yeah. I feel like a lot of people go into film school wanting to be a director, come to find out they want to be a cinematographer because some people think that that's also the director on top of talent. But no, like the yeah. cool person behind those visuals <laughs> yeah. is the cinematographer. Uh, it just seemed like a really like, like, I don't know, um, powerful role that I didn't know existed and it's like oh yeah I kind of want to be that it's a it's a big responsibility and because you literally make the aesthetic of the whole project yeah I mean literally um not only make it look good but make it you know feel how it's supposed to right. whether that's supposed to look good or not you know right to invoke a certain feeling by visuals you know it's kind of like kind of cool of all the <laughs> the skills you have right now what percentage of them do you think came from film school? Oh, um, I, uh, yeah. I, I don't feel like a lot of those, I, I feel like a lot of the set etiquette probably did. You know, being able to go on a set and know how to actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how it goes and the hierarchy and, and what you do and what you don't mm -hmm. can accredit a lot of that too. Um, and there was like some legit lighting courses and film was actually a thing back then. I think they stopped doing it. You mean like since. shooting on film? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually, you know, wanted to, I made sure to take the position of the loader at film school because I thought coming out here that would be like the, <laughs> that was gonna be the a entrance thing. point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know, you get on the camera team by by working way up, loading second, first, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to learn that, but no, no. Turns no, out nobody uses people that. people do yeah. not do film. Uh, it's a specialty skill, and if you have it, that's really cool. But, yeah. Um, so it's hard to attribute a lot of what I've learned if I feel like I didn't take opportunity of what they were offering. Right. Um, so I don't think Do you that... feel like you learned more once you came out here? I do, yes. Because just by getting on set and learning and almost self-teaching, but also watching what others do. 
Yeah. Um, but I feel like a lot of people can get a lot out of film school. But one thing, you can, I don't know. It, it's the same. Uh, I feel like, like I said, I learned set etiquette. But at the same time, you could jump on a few projects as a PA and literally learn, you know, <laughs> everything you need to know. Yeah. Um, but I, it was easy to just hop on and, and know some of the for sure. Rights and wrongs. So it kind of gave you the basics. Yeah, like I it, would say that. What I'm hearing you saying is that there's a lot of stuff <laughs> one could learn from film yes. school. But for the, me the, personally, I, yeah. I didn't take advantage like I should have. Yeah. But, but you did it lot. once you came out here. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Once you come out here, kind of thrown into the real world. It's like no longer. I mean, you know, school can be seen still as as school or like college um it's like theory yeah it's like you can you can read about swimming yeah <laughs> or you can jump in the ocean yeah like two different feelings when you go right. to a real set where yeah. real things go wrong right but i did yeah. you know appreciate that school because they did try to provide more of a real world industry kind of thing like even some of the um film i mean well like the labs would be like from 1 a.m to 5 a.m because you know <laughs> that is literally sometimes they literally had hours. Overnight yeah classes. yeah That's they fantastic. literally did that uh and that was good preparation too <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny so <laughs> that was the pre-union uh thing that they just did right yeah all the work around probably yeah. so right well <laughs> so even they were literally yeah. pre-training you guys to be overworked <laughs> oh well not overworked just <laughs> uh, uh awful scheduling you oh, know okay. because you could you have 1 a.m to 5 a.m uh class or that night and then you have to wake up at 9 a.m. And, and do something else, you know? Yeah. Which is very real world and very film industry like if you, you know how it is. Absolutely. Um, so I do feel like, yeah, I learned things, but I could have learned more. And someone who does go to film school can learn a lot. Yeah. Um, but I've also. Did you have um, connections when you came out here to the film industry? No, I had no connections. Okay. At all. <laughs> uh, my one thing that I had going was that I was moving out with my twin sister. Okay. So I wasn't like Connected totally to alone. Yeah. Uh, and then we also had uh, some relatives in Orange County. Okay. which is still like hours away especially given the right. traffic but very much closer than south carolina highly appreciate having that too yeah yeah so you know i'm thinking for the people that are watching this to have a dream of you know one day doing what they love for a living i yes. want to talk about like the actual steps the strategic steps you took to go from being somebody who just moved out here oh, to right. being like a working person what were like the major moves that you made in terms of like was it getting that ac job was there a time where something clicked and you became a dp like like what were yeah. the moves well i think it was um so when you first move out here you're not just gonna make it you know right so you i found myself finding like free jobs or like cheap jobs um on like craigslist or whatever um and then you would take a job like that and find the right people on set because there's someone on set that either owes someone a favor or like, you know, kind of out of place because they don't belong on that set either. And and you bond with those people and, and you, um, you know, make connections really is what 
this whole industry is all about making yeah. connections and networking. So you find the right people and eventually you get hired on something better and it leads to better pay and better work. And you can also, especially if you don't go the film school route, is use those lower pay free jobs as the experience, the the set life that you're looking for, you know? How, how do you feel about uh, the free jobs, the exposure jobs that um, there's like mixed conversations about right. it, right? Because when you're starting out, if you don't have any credits and you're not getting paid to do right. anything. Right, it's the catch-22, you know? Might as like well do it to build a resume. Yeah, right? I, I think they have their place in this world. And I think also passion projects have their place in this world. Like, you know, we can safely do it. We can, you know, make things for fun because a lot of us got into this industry because of, you know, making things for fun. Yeah. Sometimes when something has a paycheck attached to it, some of that fun can be sucked out or it can be seen as more of a job. So some yeah. of those passion projects are actually some of the better ones. Uh, they have their place in the world and starting off, you know, it, it's it's almost ideal because you can be a little inexperienced and you can learn a lot from stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I do feel like um, I was just talking about this in the last podcast about how I've seen people put more effort into passion projects than paid projects. Because to get somebody yeah. to do something for free, they have to really care. There has to be some reason why they're doing the project, not just the paycheck. They have to believe in the vision or believe that it's going to help their real, right? So yeah, offer up. There's anything. some amount of time yeah. that should be dedicated to that. I think even uh, Google makes their employees spend like 15% of their work time on passion projects. Oh, like wow. Like it's part of yeah. the job. Like some amount of your time has to be working on a passion project within the company, but just go do something. That's true. I, I feel I, like there's like a ratio yeah. to paid to unpaid work. <laughs> like when I feel like it's gone too long since I've done a passion project, I feel weird. I feel like I'm just like whoring yeah. myself out. Like I'm only doing stuff because I'm getting paid to do it. And it's like, right. I mean, I just want to shoot something right. that sometimes that has no connection to money. That is just like, let me just show up and shoot because I want to. I just, yeah, I think they have their purpose in life. I think it's a way to kind of get back maybe if you're starting to lose some of that yeah. that passion and that fun by doing a job. Uh, maybe going back to some of that stuff would bring out some of the creative fun that everyone coming together to to make a project you know that's something that passion projects don't lack right um but yeah they do have to offer some things to get you on um, yeah so you know, we were going back to to your to your path right so yes. so you met people on craigslist yeah you met people on set <laughs> <laughs> um i also you know found out about like events like Cinegear or like the ASC Open House that are just free for anyone. So T tell me about the ASC Open House. I don't know about that. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so every year or pre-pandemic, the ASC does an award show. And usually like a week before that, they have... That's the American Society of Cinematographers. Okay. Yeah, like okay. the elite club for okay. all the really good DP. Yeah. Um, and they host an award show. And then a week before that, they host an open house where literally anybody can come to the clubhouse in Hollywood and just like network and meet some of your favorite DPs. Um, That's amazing. Like, yeah. And it's free for anyone. So it's an opportunity to meet some fellow 
cinematographers who may like pass along a job when they're not available or may provide support because we're all like struggling at times it's nice to be able to bond together sometimes absolutely Um, because I just feel like you know some of the struggles we go through are unique as cinematographers Um, what are some of the struggles well I just always felt like you know the higher your goal is the harder that ladder and higher that ladder is to get there yeah you know and sometimes when we have friends in the industry who are like you know other positions you know you start comparing like oh well they're working on something better than me or they're Mm -hmm. working more than me and it's like a little tough because you have to sometimes realize that you're pursuing a different goal and a different job so it's like not fair to it's never fair to compare yourself that's one of the worst things to do is to compare yourself because we're all on a different path and we all know like different people different situations it's like gonna be different for everyone but sometimes it's just nice to have that bonding because like hey I'm not working oh I'm not working either yeah I mean it's a tough time you know it's really nice to be able to have that so to be able to meet fellow people yeah. Whom you can, you know, support and give jobs to, but also... Yeah, so that you know you're not in it alone. Yeah, Because sometimes know? it feels like we're the only ones struggling. And everybody yeah, else yeah, everyone else is living the life. And that's the worst part about social media is that a lot of us, you know, we only post when we're thriving or make it look like we are. Yeah. Uh, which isn't very healthy, nor to someone who's looking, you know there I, I like to throw in some realism and uh you know it's not easy and never will be it seems so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to like huge dps and of course none of us are where we want to be like we're we're always going to want more and bigger and better and stuff so you know it, it's helpful to throw in some like realness sometimes absolutely so people like, know that yeah like or either hey i'm not working or or this job i just did you know went through this you know sometimes it's nice to throw light on the negative yeah, yeah. like even when i see somebody who's really successful talk about their anxiety or something like that yeah. i'm like oh great i'm not the only one right who feels right this. <laughs> it seems like yeah the film industry can induce a lot of it so it's you know we're all similar but different so yeah what was your first, what you considered legit DP job? Oh. What you consider legit for um, you at the time. Right. The first legit job. I don't know. I'd probably go with the feature that I did. Okay. Just because it was a feature. Um, it had a little bit of a budget. Okay. <laughs> it had a budget um, and a crew. In a story, and it got produced and made. Like, there's Which is the saying final a lot product. for most projects. Yeah. yeah. Um, I always, you know, tell when they're like, hey, when did you get into this? And I'll say the year, but I'm always like, real. Like, I don't like my work until 2017. So I made that feature in 2017, and I feel like it was that year that I really started to know lighting. Because I came up, like, through the camera world. Yeah. Um, I did mostly camera stuff. um, But I love lighting. I think it's probably the most important aspect. And what really separates a project is good lighting. 
and then you have lens choice, and then you have your camera. It kind of comes in that order. Right. Um, you know, anything with good lighting, you can you can do a lot with that. <laughs> <laughs> There's something so beautiful. Yeah. About um, great so, production. So yeah, I, I highly recommend to. I, and if I could go back, I would love to go the G and E route. Um, For those that know, that's grip and electric. Yes, that's handling the lights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're either bringing up flags or lights and stuff. I feel like that would be so much fun. Yeah. Um, but I'm also like physically not what you would expect. Um, kind of small. So you know some of and those. The cameras are pretty big. Yeah, yeah, but like an 18k on like a yeah. big stand, light stand, and it's got nothing on the camera. <laughs> True. <laughs> cameras need to be well balanced. Like, right. yeah, uh, I, I don't. I guess what I'm wondering is if how serious I would have been taken if I wanted to seriously be like right. legit grip yeah. or electric. Um, but yeah, I, I try to gaff any time I can or any time anybody lets me because I have so much fun. Yeah, actually touching the lights. Yeah, sometimes I'm it. like, oh, was it gaffing that I wanted to do this whole time? Because they literally have all the fun of shaping the lights and, well, grips too, you know, key gripping. But, you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can like many things. Right. I just yeah. highly appreciate them. The best people on set, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they are the real gladiators yeah. on set. <laughs> They're so great. But, yeah. So, in 2017 is, a, is the first project that you really enjoyed. Yeah, the first one that I, like, really claim and say, hey, I, I did that. I made something, you know? <laughs> what do you think made the difference before? Because I know it, it's all, like, um perspective, right? Like, yeah. when I was first making videos, I thought they were great. And as I get older, I'm like, all over nothing. Right. Like, I, the, the older I get, the, the further... I have to move my reel up because I'm like, yeah, oh, no work right. past that year is good anymore. Right. And, I keep, and I keep raising the standard. Yeah. Before that feature film, did you think you had made something awesome? And then I do. Uh, what I think that I would do is I would, I made like uh, this like footlocker thing and it was nice. But what was also just something about it was that it was all naturally lit and it was naturally nice. Nice. I think the biggest difference between 2017 and previous years was lighting. And I knew how to make natural light look good. But artificiating something and a whole scene and, like, creating out of, like, yeah. a room where none, no sunlight or nothing natural is there, learning that it takes made all the difference. And people. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and understanding of how to shape a face or, or to give dimension made the difference. Okay, so yeah. so all this happened after film school, right? So oh, yeah. tell me Years what after. happened before 2017. Like, how did you learn how to use equipment without using the equipment? Like, you were, you were really good at natural lighting, you're saying, right? Yeah. And then the feature film was an opportunity for you to use a full-scale production, right? Your crew and all right. that stuff. How did you learn it? How did you know what to do with the expensive equipment before you used it? Were you watching YouTube tutorials? Were you <laughs> like, did you have like a mentor with yeah. a bug in your ear? Like what, what was your method of learning that? So for me and why I really appreciate that feature was um, that same year I did meet a mentor who's became a really good friend. And the most ideal thing is that my mentor is the director on that feature. Ah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, he came up the G&E route with the gaffing uh, okay. build and became a cinematographer and now directs and produces. Um, 
So yeah, to have that kind of person there for in case I'm questioning something or if I am asking. But anything. did you in your mind already know? Like, were you like, man, by the time I get a budget, I'll know what to do with it. Like coming into the film? Like, yeah, did I you just, have an idea of how to use I the big things? I knew something was going to work out. Okay. You ever just saying like, mm, it's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of yeah. that theory. I don't know, manifestation, but... Um, uh, I did always know I needed to know more and learn more and, you know, just invest in a light meter and start sure. doing either photography or something, figuring out what, you know, like makes a good image light wise. And how did you learn it though? <laughs> was it like YouTube? Like, did you? No, it was like I said, uh, getting a mentor who oh, came up. So he would yeah. literally say, here's how I light a huge scene with a 12 K. Uh, there's like, that, or like, we would set up scenarios. I had my own ideas or he would suggest things or I, you know, would come up and be like, this is what I want. You, you know, would have like the result in mind, yeah, or and actually teaching me things like we made um, dimmers for lights, like going back to those and yeah. learning like the ground and all the neutral and stuff, um, like taking it back to the basics and really like learning as if I like I did learn light in film school, but having that interest now made the difference. Because I feel like in film school, maybe I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. So it, it doesn't, like, yeah, the, you know, the interest, excite you as much. Yeah, yeah. But now that that's there, it's it makes all the difference, um, which it's hard. Especially going back to middle school, even though I kind of knew what I wanted to do, when we um, ask people that young, like, what do you want to do? It's almost... It, yeah. it can change from then to high school, from college to was after there anything college. else you wanted to do that was like just a side <laughs> idea? Like I, I also wanted to be an astronaut just, oh, yeah? just because I thought the view That's, would be really nice. Yeah. I literally was thinking sure visually of just like being <laughs> in outer space, looking at the earth because I saw all those beautiful pictures in that geographic. And I was like, yeah. I just visually want to see that every day. That was my inspiration for that. And then I thought I wanted to design roller coasters. Oh, um, that would have been cool, too. Because I wanted to make experiences for people. But then once I picked up the camera, it was a wrap. It was done. Yeah. It, it, it met so many <laughs> of my needs. Because I could I could make friends anywhere because I had a camera. You right. know, I could just show up. I'm the guy with the camera. Hey, let's make something. It, it, it was such a way to connect with people. That's true. For me. But did you have any other interests? Or was it like already filmmaking like you wanted to make videos yeah no it was it was always filmmaking I mean like in kindergarten I wanted to be a football player so I always have this thing <laughs> that I must have always wanted to do something more that was very male dominated how know? has that been how has it been being a, a woman in a male dominated you know industry especially behind the camera right I mean I've mostly had normal experiences as if I was a dude you know like it doesn't it's okay. not a factor and I try not to just I never I never am a female filmmaker I I don't like identifying as that it puts almost like a disability on you that you're not a filmmaker you're a female filmmaker right. like like don't you know identify as that. I've had 
things, especially people questioning whether I can pick up that camera or not, or like, you know, preserving me because of that. Um, you mean like people saying like, can you carry that big camera? Like that kind of comment? No, I was, um, operating on this like lifetime feature and the director was like, Oh, by the way, uh, you're not going to opt this next scene because it's going to be like three hours and you can't do that. But hey, you can first AC, right? And so, you know, I I, I don't know what I should have done. Uh, there's times I'm like, I should have walked off, you know, should have done that. Um, yeah. But I didn't, you know, butcher focus. <laughs> That's not my job, you know. <laughs> but uh, so I've had situations like that. I've had very, you know nasty like um male directors who just think they're so great and like had to tell me that you know I was questioning why this guy who was supposedly operating underneath me was making more than me and the dude was just straight up said oh because he's worth more than you like I've heard things like that I was supposed to be the DP on this project but this dude you know somehow got the person that they probably wanted in the first place under supposedly and yeah I never worked a day after that yeah on that project <laughs> yeah um I'd say things like that you know what happens um and it comes with those you know imbalances of the past but I I think moving forward one day we'll come to a point where we just hire people regardless of what they are. Um, yeah, as long as they can deliver. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I, I see, you know, too many people who don't get jobs because they don't fit the the what we're looking for, you know. It's got to be, we got to hire a female, you know, be cool, be on top of it. But, yeah. you know, if you do happen to, like, want to hire minorities or anything, it would just be best to more so word it like, hey, I'm looking for a DP who happens to be a female instead of, hey, I'm looking for a female. female yeah. 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 So, you know, it's great if you do want to, like, diversify the, the crew because that is moving forward. That's great. But sometimes it, you know, is actually maybe going a step back if we're if we're only hiring because of what we are instead of right because then it's like yeah. you're like the diversity hire instead yeah. of being like yeah. you make great images yeah I, I would much rather be hired for that I mean there's times when hey take advantage of the opportunity like it's it's dumb not to you right. know yeah. jump on and be like all right great but you know I, I do never want to be fake or, or only here because of what I am not what I provide, you know. Sure, absolutely. So. Have uh, have you had good contact with other females in the industry? Have they been nice to you? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, as one of my favorite directors that I work with is a female. Um, uh, her name's Abby, and we've done many projects together. Um, we started out by doing this project for Zeiss that was following... Uh, race car driver who happens to be a female uh it was very female driven clearly (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah uh and that project was probably more like trying to get minorities um sure but yeah the whole crew wasn't female you know not just trying to take jobs away from males because you know some of my favorite 
people are. Another one of my favorite directors, you know? It doesn't matter what they are or who. It doesn't. It, you know, we just, one day we'll come. But I understand that we really have to make up for such a long past of male dominance that we have to make up for it. And then once we do, we can bring that down and yeah. meet and just hire people for who they are. And I think that's beautiful because there are so many potential creatives that would uh, that we sometimes write off. You know, like yeah. I remember seeing in, um, when they were shooting the movie Training Day, you know, with Denzel, right. that they were, you know, in the hood and they would take all these local kids and bring them on to see the cinematographers, just show them the lights and everything, to show them, hey, oh, wow. you could one day yeah. be doing this, you know, because you never this know. This is available, yeah. There's so many untapped talent all over the world. And I think sometimes we just assume that only this kind of person can do this kind of job. But like, There is that, yes. Like, you never know. I mean, some people just have like a natural knack for something like you said there's a feeling right on That's the inside true. <laughs> you know like sometimes people don't have to be trained there's people that are very well trained that just don't have that gut instinct oh, that they right. know all the technical parts but they just have bad taste that's true i mean that's a, my job i can definitely say is a nice balance of technical <laughs> and creative you have to have kind of both yeah so but it doesn't matter you know what you are or what you identify as it's it's you know we're all just here to provide work a look you know mm -hmm. i just want to be hired for that work yeah you know? absolutely um, what are your goals right now like what excites you what do you what do you want to have happen right um well a like more you know not so distant goal i really want is to join the local 600 union um i feel like that is something that I need to be in that can hopefully provide more like protection or cross for the stuff that we endure. On what the needs to side. happen for you to join it? Oh, well, you know, you have to get your 100 days or 30 days of union days. Um, and a lot of paperwork. Got it. Because I'm not in any union, so I don't even know what the requirements are. Okay, so, so <laughs> yeah. you, have, you have to work on union jobs as a non-union person. Yeah, for 30 days. For 30 or days. you can have okay. um, 100 non-union qualifying days within three years. So projects that they consider worthy. Mm -hmm. It could be a indie commercial project yeah, or whatever. projects but, they consider worthy, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you submit a paperwork of all that. Yes. and then Plus like a joining fee or something. Yeah. Okay. A little fee. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to pay up to join. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the benefits should, uh, they have great health care if you make the hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's beneficial to, you know, health-wise. You know, we have a lot of back care that needs to be in consideration that, you know, we're kind of destroying it for our yeah. job. A lot of mental care would be nice, too, to you know, someday to check out therapy and have a health insurance that provides that would good be coverage. Amazing. Yeah, oh yeah. My, I feel like that should be necessary for oh, just I everybody. Too. I really love how in pop culture right now, uh, therapy is becoming more of a cool thing. There's like true. rappers it talking about cool. going to therapy. Yeah. Like it's like people are admitting that it's like, hey, it's not, it doesn't make you weak. No. You know, like a great car. Actually, if you buy a Porsche, you still got to take it to the mechanic to like make sure it's working properly. You know, like <laughs> That's true. we shouldn't just go to the doctor or to a therapist when we're breaking down. I mean, it's nice to, but it should be something that we ideally be. have access yeah. to consistently. And if you do have good coverage and you can go maybe weekly, it, it stops a lot of... Uh, 
you know, you no longer have to go when you need it. Uh, it yeah. can prevent some of those. Yeah. But I, I, I do think, you know, that's something that joining the union and getting that health coverage would be great to to work on mentally. I, I currently have to choose between back care or mental care. And right now it's the physical back care. So I see you, you like mean, a chiropractor every week. You mean in terms um, of what you can uh, invest yeah, in? Yeah, what I, yeah, every, you know, weekly, what am I putting, you know. Back into yourself, stuff. yeah. Yeah. So you um, go to a chiropractor? I do, yeah. I'm uh, trying, this year I've started better back care because yeah. if I don't start now, it's just going to continue to get worse and I just want to prolong, you know, the total, like. yeah problems that it's going to have one day do you do any workouts particular for uh filming because like, when you're hopping do you do a lot of handheld yes okay uh, somehow i've been known as that and like hey i called you out for this job because it was a lot of handheld yeah yeah great <laughs> perfect that's that's me so <laughs> you know somehow i i do enjoy handheld and i i do not um like the easy rig right. a lot of people like that thing and i'm just I'm very old school. I love the connection with it on your shoulder. Yes. Um, but there is like the ergo rig out there that I would love to try out sometime because it's. Puts, I haven't seen the ergo rig. Yeah, it's it looks more like a Steadicam vest and okay. puts the weight more on you. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it it would be a little bit of an investment, but right. also a life investment. I'm finding that. The things we do now will, you know, really shine later on, just like back care now is going to make all the difference 10 years from now as to what I will be able to still yes. do. Because we got to think about the subtle things that we yeah. do every day. They're going to add up somewhere down the line. Right. I mean, unfortunately, my job carrying a camera is inhumane. We were not made to have like 18 pounds or more just on chilling. One side, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one side. And then the other side is overcompensating for it so that side's jacked up too yeah and you don't realize it sometimes it's actually worse but anytime i go to a massage she's like you use your right side more and i'm like yeah a little bit <laughs> do you ever go to the massage where they walk on your back i've done that before it's been a while but yeah that's usually what i do i like the deep tissue i i like that but i'm finding i need to be more gentle okay yeah i thought like oh just give me that i'll be in pain for two days and then we'll be good for the next but i'm like i don't know my dad always said you're supposed to enjoy massage so i wasn't <laughs> no yeah. i'm i'm more uh, a firm okay yeah and it's like still nice but Right. Not not too intense, but I, I yeah that used to be my thing. Yeah, it's it's good to have self care. Yes, but I hate choosing that over mental at the moment. It would be nice to be able to do right, both. Right, right. Yeah. If if I had coverage for for both, and and it was just it, they're both part of the job. Yeah, I don't um I've never seen a therapist, although I've studied psychology, and I have a like a coach. Oh yeah. Yeah, I have wow. like a like a success coach, so to speak. Okay, um, that's so really like, cool. Technically, is a results coach is what yeah. they call themselves, and uh, that's been beneficial for me because basically, I'm paying for it, and every week we talk about what my where's my threshold. Yeah. Like where do I feel like I'm at my limit of control? Like if I feel like I'm overwhelmed in this area of life, 
we talk about it. It's a 30 minute call. I had one right before we had this interview, actually. Oh, no way. I just had one, yeah. You know, and every week is something different. <clears throat> like she'll call and, and, and I'll be like, you know what? I feel like I got this under control, but but I feel like I, my organization's off. I feel like I'm all over the place and you do this. And we'll talk, well, why is it out of control? And we start breaking down like the limiting beliefs, you know, and then we, we kind of realize, okay, I've been telling myself some kind of a story that gets in the way of what I'm trying to achieve. And we like, <laughs> work on that story right. a bit and then and the next week that part's ready and then I'm like okay cool well, now I'm stressing about this reconnecting with my biological father that's stressing me out okay, then let's talk about that oh, and yeah. so having somebody to do that with although it's not a therapy it's because we don't talk about the past we just talk about the future the questions are just like that's, how's it going yeah, what do you want and then they ask um, why do you believe you can't have it hmm huh. And that is very deep. And then we go through yeah. that. The beliefs about why we think we can't have it. Like, I think that's something I, I constantly think about, you know? Like, you know, I have a belief right now about what I think I can and can't achieve as a director, right? And that may be limiting me because maybe I can actually achieve a lot more. Right. But I consider myself at this level, so then I only go for these kinds of things, right? Huh. Or I may have some presumptions about... um you know, about myself or a person or a project, you know, so that's something I want to talk to you about. What were some, uh, well, I guess. I kind of want to hear more about yours. Yeah. <laughs> what is holding you back? Um, I think, well, I'll share something. So this year was my, my best year business-wise. I've always been creatively doing what I want. I've always been able to work with people I've wanted to work with, but I always kind of sacrificed money for it. You know, I'll be like, oh, I'll take less on this gig to do this, or I'll reinvest it back into that. And this past year, I, I achieved a lot, but I was so used to being in survival mode that when things started going really right, I got like worried and scared. I, like, I got stressed out because right. I was like, so, uh, like the universe doesn't work that way. We get a lot of good, and then we get bad, and then the good makes up. Yeah, yeah, it's always like, when does the streak end? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then I wasn't able to enjoy a lot of it because I was just worried. I was like, it's going so right. I can't believe it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yes. Um, but I think that was also just because of where I was identifying at. You know, I think I was emotionally addicted to being stressed. That so that when things got about right. better, yeah. even though we want them to be better, we're used to them being bad. And what we're used to feels familiar. And when we get what we want, it's so unfamiliar that it's like it's scary to have it work uh, out. So yeah. you have to go back to where we have a familiar feeling, which is having it not work out. And that's where self-sabotage comes in. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's a process. I went to a couple of workshops this year, uh, like personal development type workshops where we did some, some like trigger training. And um, there was this one exercise that was interesting where we were like a hundred people in this group for like a five day training, right? And we're all strangers. It's like Uber drivers and doctors and filmmakers. It's just random people, right? And there's this one exercise where they made us all lay down and we're kind of hypnotized. And they made us think that we were on a cruise ship a year from now, right? Like imagine that yeah. it's like a beautiful cruise ship and you're with everybody here and the people that you love and everything's going great, you're having dinner and we're just like super relaxed, right? And then like an alarm goes off, it's the ship is sinking, the ship is sinking, everybody's gonna die. Only three of you get to live. Now each one of you stand up and you have 30 seconds to tell the group why you deserve to live, go. Wow. 
And then like each person just went up and was like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm a doctor. So, you know, you guys should save me because I'll do this. And somebody else was like, you know, well, well I have kids, you know, and so I, they're all I have and da, da, da. And then I went up and I was like, well, I'm a filmmaker. I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll make a documentary <laughs> yeah. about you or something. You know, I just said well, why I thought I was valuable. And at the end of the exercise, it was for us to uncover the story we've been telling about why we think we're valuable. Hmm. Huh. That puts it all in perspective. Yeah. So each one of us at an emergency state, we're thinking, well, I'm I'm a valuable person because yeah. I'm a doctor or because I'm a this. And then we were forgetting that we're just inherently valuable just because we're, we're humans yeah. and we're here. And Valuable. it was like I realized that I was putting because um, I, I love what I do like you. I love creating. It, it's who right. I am. I feel like that's part of my love language. Is I like creating stuff for people. I have visions for it, you know, but I think I just got caught up in that being my identity. And um, and then I just realized that I was deriving so much of my value from that, that I just forgot that just me. I'm right. Me, the man. Right. <laughs> like I, times we may even get into this industry because we don't particularly like us ourselves. So, you know, but me, the career, you know, I like that. Like, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with to, that. Yeah. But remember that that's not who we are. Yeah. You know? It's part of what we do. Yeah. It certainly is. Right. With but at us. the end of the day, like what you were saying, or if all else fails in that 30 seconds, that's not going to get you anywhere. You yeah. know? Hey, I'm a DP. I uh, make you good mood. No, I I would be one of the first to go. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. It was yeah. so interesting. But hey, I'm a person, and I I you know I deserve I to live yeah. just because I enjoy life. How right. about that? That goes a lot farther. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm really interested in that. I'm interested in personal development and in psychology and what makes us tick, what makes yeah. things work, you know, because I grew up in a creative family. You know, my parents were never financially successful, but they were creatively successful. My mom was like the, she played Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. She like no left high school, moved to Europe to audition for a project and like made it at like 14, like wow. back in the day in Brazil. So right. she's like, you know, that's really my dad didn't even finish high school. He's a professional dancer. He was like traveling. So it's like they, they supported me creatively, but they never had their stuff together financially. So I think I kind of followed that pattern growing up to where I always did cool projects. what you saw, yeah. And I never just knew how to save the money. I would make money and I would just like <laughs> buy equipment, whatever, and just like move on with it, you know? Well, never... you know, it is fun to buy equipment. <laughs> oh, it, it sure it gets, is. I mean, somehow it's true. It, it gets old fast. It and, does. Yeah. It does. And I think um, now, instead of achieving to be happy, my mission is to happily achieve. Right. You it, know, it's, it's no like, longer. Yeah. Because there's always going to be something like when you, you know, you, you did a feature. Yeah. Now you want to do another feature. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I see our jobs now more as adding to our happiness as to where maybe at one time it was the happiness. But that's not going to fulfill a happy life. That's going to fulfill a happy career. But now yeah. we need to view it more as adding to happiness not being our happiness yeah we're not being the only thing yeah because then what happens if we don't have a job yeah what, that's what if... that's when life seems to be the worst you know because <laughs> you don't have what you consider to be happiness so if we can switch our thoughts to it more so adding like i don't 
need this job to be happy, but it sure does add to it. Yeah. Um, that's not me currently, but I'd love to get to that state of thought. For sure. It's ideal. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's great when you get jobs. Yeah. It's great when things go right and you get paid and you have a it budget. Is. Like, it's not like, oh, we shouldn't be happy from that. We should just be like, no, that, that shit is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I think I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want that to be the only reason I'm happy. You know, like I want to show up to set already happy. Right. The thing know? is, if it is the reason why we're happy when we do have those darker moments of you know, no work, that's why it hits harder, you know, is because that is what makes you happy. And that's the only thing it seems. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. And I feel like going back to that's kind of why sometimes the mental is necessary in this industry to work on too, uh, as long uh, as well as the physical care that we very much value you know yeah. sometimes it's hard to uh value the things you can't see or that you don't see yeah you know? but what was your belief when you moved out here what did you believe about your career what, oh, what was your mindset coming into LA? i think you know we all dream and it's ponies and unicorns and great stuff you, you know? were optimistic like, yeah you you see yourself on the top um what was the, it, your knockdown? Was it, did anything ever? <laughs> yeah, it's um, the hard, you know, path to go. It, it's constant comparisons when you see someone who maybe has a relative in the industry who's already in the union, who's got this easier path up, yeah. you know. Um, when you see your friends who are working and you're not, and not considering the fact that, Maybe you would too if you were in a different department. Um, that kind of stuff puts a toll. Um, you mentioned that also, a couple times. Yeah, the just you're not gonna come out here and all of a sudden do projects that you want to do. You have to build that, build a real, um, build connections. I mean, I'm not, you know, saying that people probably. I, they don't look at me and think I have it made or made it easy because maybe it looks that way. Um, but really, I, I came here. I, I have no connections. <laughs> I ended up meeting some really great people, and I think I've had some really awesome opportunities. Sure, um, you build relationships. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, we shouldn't be envious of one another, but instead take on those lessons so like you know you can move out here without knowing anybody and somehow years later be fairly connected you yeah. know it is possible but I agree. it takes some time i agree yeah I, I i think whenever people ask me about networking i tell them it's not about what you can get it's about what you can give you yeah know, like if you meet somebody instead of saying like can you get me on the project what i like to ask is like what are you working on and how can i help right and then i become somebody who's adding something to it and supportive and yes. supportive yeah you know my first month here i um I met Tyga, the rapper, and because uh, I had met his producer at a concert that I took my sister to in Chicago. Oh, no way. Yeah, me and my wow. sister loved You're going to... You were networking on the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we were at this concert in Chicago, and like here's the stage, and there's like, you know, the arena. We were like on like stage right, and I saw this guy on like stage left across the arena who just looked important. Oh, like something you had that, yeah, something, initiate, yeah. He was like on his Blackberry and not giving a fuck about the concert. It was the Blackberry. And I was just like, <laughs> I should talk to him. And this was before I moved to LA. And I literally just walked around the arena 
and said hi to him. It turned out he was a producer for the opening act and was Tyga. And, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because this Tyga was opening for Drake at the time. And, okay. Um, so it's a Drake show. It was a Drake show, mm-hmm. yeah. But this guy was producing for Tyga, and I didn't even know who Tyga was, honestly, at that point. But I knew that he was a music <laughs> producer, so we connected. Right. And then when I moved to L.A., I had one month's worth of rent, no job lined up, and I was like, I'll figure it out. It's, Right. I'm Craigslist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's people need Something's videos. Something's going to work out. Something's going to yeah. work out. I yeah. have that faith. Throw it out. Blind faith. Yeah. You know? And and he connected me with Tyga. And in that first week, I shot like a free video for him. And it went on Worldstar and it got views. And then it was like, great, shoot me another video. And that one was free as well. And then after the second video, that one also did well. But then I was like broke. I was like, dude, my second month's rent coming up and I don't have any money. And then he was like, well, would you like to go on tour with me and Diddy as our videographer? And I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know okay. and, and again barely paid me i think it just made like i might have gotten like made rent made rent yeah you know but it was like that sacrifice and that willingness to just say i'm gonna do it no matter what right and then it led to yes something bigger it led to something bigger yeah. you know and, and i think i calculated that okay i'm gonna do these jobs for free but they're gonna give me credits right with those credits <laughs> i can flex and get local jobs and build my way up from there wow yeah, yeah. so that that was my mission there um when you were coming up were there any particular moves that you thought really changed the game for you like um, when, like you bought you bought a big camera i did yeah so buying the airy was yeah, game changing for me. I realized that I am not an assistant camera. Like, <laughs> they're totally different skills. Um, and I'm really envious of people who have those skills on top of DP because they can climb the ladder and learn under a lot of talented people. But I just didn't have that. I also felt like it was way more stressful to be the AC than the DP. Like you're the person on set, you got to get focused, right? You know, you got to have camera built, no questions asked. And, yeah. and you're only, you know, not, you're only noticed when things don't go right. You know, right, you're right. supposed to be on top of it. So I realized I do not have those skills. Um, nope. And I do still wish I would have, like, even considered g and I feel like that would have been really great. But instead, I was like, well, I'm this kid DP thing. I really don't have anything to offer, you know, like, hire me because I can do something. Like, literally, that would probably be the resume. And um, so, yeah, I always how, loved how did you, Aerie. How did you get it? Did you get a loan? Yeah. Alone. I couldn't afford that. <laughs> right. That's a big investment. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but it was like right before everybody and their mom and dad owned a camera. Because yeah. now we kind of have affordable options. Sure. Um, a lot of times people require the DP to have equipment. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, so it was a way to be like, hey, hire me. I yeah. have an airy camera. That is the gold standard of cameras. So, yeah, yeah like you named drop it. You know, it's it's the one. Um, yeah, because people don't know this. Like, a lot of cinematographers don't have their own cameras. They show no, up on the and production they, they shouldn't. You know, yeah. every job's different. You know, yeah. I've I've shot so many different ones. I would hate to be limited to one tool. Right. But, but you we're having going that. back to yeah. this kid DP wannabe person. <laughs> and it was like, how, how do I even do anything? So the thing was, I could offer this camera up um, 
And whether that's why you hired me in the first place, if you're going to call me again, it's not going to be because of the camera. It's going right. to be because you liked what I did. Don't you hate it when people it. say, what a great image. What kind of camera did you shoot? It's like, it's not about the cameraman. <laughs> right. Well, I, I love like people maybe who um, complain about like red when they first sure. came out. Yeah. And it was because you didn't know how to use that. You yeah. know, like no camera is just going to give you a perfect image. Like yeah. once you... Yeah, you should really, any like capable camera, like cinema yeah. camera is there with enough, you know, yeah. photons to collect a really <laughs> good image, but it doesn't do it on its own. Yeah, it doesn't change the shape of the lighting. It doesn't change the composition. It's like <laughs> right. a, great, a great microphone doesn't change the lyrics of a song. Right. It is a flat sensor that has a flat two-dimensional image and how you make it appear three-dimensional as you shape it and give it light or you, you know, do lens tricks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I remember in this conversation, you mentioned a lot about how, if, I, if I'm hearing correctly, that you think you might be, maybe could have moved up faster if you were in a different department. Right. Um, yeah. I, let's, I think, let's talk about that, right? Because okay. I feel like I feel like that's something that that's on your yeah. on your mind, right? Because because what I think I'm hearing is that as a director of photography, you're high up the food chain in that department, right? Yes. So well, if your goal is to be at the top of a food chain, it's going to take longer to move up there than if your goal was to be like a C or a grip. You could move up a lot faster as a grip. You could grip for a feature film. To direct a feature film with DP feature film is a right. whole nother. <laughs> well, the other thing with um, the DP or the cinematographer or director really is that everyone wants to be it. The competition for it is so much. Um, with, you know, if you don't want to do a job, that's fine. Is the price too low? whatever this other person will do that yeah you know you can be replaced like that yeah. and I, I like admire people like like the sound community because like they all kind of come together and like set rates that they won't agree to and they do agree to as a unity like you yeah. know like standard as where, yeah i yeah. feel like we're more competitive you know like oh okay you don't want that job um that's a cheap price okay you know you're talking to someone about that and then next mm. thing you know they're going to take that job yeah. you know even though they were just agreeing that it wasn't enough um but we also can be tricked into things like well i can't pay you but guess what you're gonna get real material or guess what um i have access to you know this camera and you can work with it or you know we have a, a job and you can get to like there's so many bribes yeah. in this department that a lot of <laughs> other ones are like i don't need a real material uh that equipment doesn't excite me yeah. you know um there's so many things that makes this road a bit longer because <laughs> you know there's ways to just get past or cheating out and yeah and be offered up stuff because you know it's all catch 22 you need the work to show the work but how do you get the work without it you know it's, it's like proving you can build yeah. a skyscraper if you right so you do need to take yeah. those lower projects cheat projects so you can build the work and get the stuff but it's like yeah that's what makes it a bit tougher and, and different and, and the same probably as directing is that yeah. Yeah. Uh, who, who do you look up to? Who are you inspired by? Um, well, I feel like Conrad Hall, taking it back. Uh, Who's that? 
Um, he is a legendary cinematographer who like inspired Roger Deakins, who is now a legendary yeah. cinematographer. <laughs> but he shot like Road to Perdition and you know all the, the classic great movies. Um, I do also look up to Roger Deakins, um, yeah. Reed Morano, Rachel Morrison, Greg Frazier. You know, they're all just great people on top of being great image creators, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Have you got to meet any of them? I think I met all... No, well, not Conrad Hall because he's since passed away. Sure. Um, I've met Roger a few times. Always great. <laughs> and you look up to them creatively and they were nice yeah, people. Yeah, like I mean, what people. Roger did with um, Blade Runner. Yeah. I know he's done a lot more than that, but just he created huge environments. Like, I know. Just, yeah, it's... Roger's been one of my favorite. I mean, like... Everyone loves Roger because he's like yeah. the one, but I am very much grew up being like a huge George Clooney fan, and he does a lot of Coen Brothers stuff, and all of their projects are generally shot by Roger Deakins. Okay. So I was, you know, admiring his work before I really knew what a DP or, or who he was. I, so I was you were always, a fan of the movies? Yeah, then... I was always like a fan of those before I knew this whole legend existed of Roger Deakins. <laughs> but everyone else, you know, loves, you know, a celebrity DP. Sure. We had one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just enjoy people who are also great humans on top of being great. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that goes further. I mean, these people have the talent, you know. Yeah. They have the work. But when you meet someone and also they're vibe like cool. and they're personal, yeah. It's another yeah. level of respect. Yeah, it's just, you know, what I think we all want to be, strive to be, and hope to never lose that sense of, you know. Yeah, of being a real person. Yeah, of just yeah. being real. What a concept. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I always liked... Roger's work before I knew. Yeah. Is your ultimate goal to just do feature films? Yeah, I love theatrical kind of, that was always kind of the goal, but who knows with streaming and everything that sure. becomes. Um, I love that, but I've also found a passion in like cars, like car and commercial would be great. I always say something like Ford versus Ferrari would be ideal, like a huge narrative with a car. Like, you, you really know? did get into yeah, cars, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I find it so fun uh, to light and to treat differently. It's 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 fun because it becomes more about what's off camera as to, you know, what's going to help right. light something. Something that big. That's yeah, moving. something that big, reflective. Yeah. Uh, it's so unique. It's, it's interesting you like the creative challenge of lighting cars right it's like you know greg frazier doing the mandalorian when you have to light yeah um something that doesn't react like skin yeah yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> so you, you like the technical challenge it but... is fun yeah <laughs> i mean once you kind of know certain things you know you start learning like a nice soft top light and reflective kind of things and i don't know if you have certain cars that they pick up like even the easiest bend to see in like a white you know yeah fabric that you're trying to bring out to say you know a silver part and then you're like you can see the fold <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it like picks that up yeah it's a challenge because cars can i saw some car commercials they have the cars that are just the wheels and then they like cgi everything else oh yeah 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 it's, it's so it's or they, they put them on like a 
a screen now. Yeah, and just yeah. have a screen reflecting the yeah. stuff over them. Yeah. Not only that, but like the screen is doing all the moving. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I know in the Matrix they did that. The when they're in the car in Matrix One, all the the stuff going by the windows was all video. Right. Just actually projected. Yeah. I think they did it to make it feel like extra. Right. I mean, that, something like that. That yeah. was like the perfect choice too. What is um, in your opinion right now for you? Not like what you think the right answer is, but in your heart, what's okay. the meaning of life right now? I think it's just what you know we want to pass on or inspire other humans to to do um that's what i feel like to do at all is what you want to leave behind um so the meaning of life could kind of be seen as how you know you're remembered in a way how would you like to be remembered um i mean i want to be known as someone, you know, who creates a mostly positive environment. Um, we all have off days, you know, yeah. don't want to be uh-huh. in, you know, don't want to be unreal. But yeah, I think like the environment you create can change the energy around so much. And when you're in a position of more so leadership, uh, you have to project that, you know, you have to showcase how you want the rest of the crew to be. I want to be like known for being more like real, like not just a facade or or faking this. I want you to know that I also have days that I I don't like where I'm at, you know? I like to shine light on the (laughs) the negative stuff on the, I like, I really want to be known as someone who supports others. And especially when I get in a position of better projects and stuff, I want to bring on people, help people. Because, yes. um, yes. you know, we all get lucky and have our breaks of, you know, yeah, good people stuff. Look out yeah, for us. yeah, yeah. So I just want to give opportunities like that. And I mean, I want to be known for having good work. <laughs> I do, you know, that's really what I, I don't want to be putting out what I don't want my name on. I, I love putting out images that I enjoyed creating. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's fun getting excited when you have, like, good light and, and mm-hmm. like, uh, when you're, like, just behind the viewfinder and thinking, like, yeah. oh, this this looks great. Like, that feeling's really It is a great feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah, I think those kind of four things. That's beautiful. Combined, but that's not really a meaning. But it is what I feel like. Yeah, it's it's makes. I for your answer. Yeah, yeah. 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 Something in the moment. You know? I love that. Yeah. I love that. You seem like you're really passionate about what you do. Like you're such a nerd about it. I oh yeah. That. I mean, uh, we can nerd out. Uh, I appreciate that this one wasn't more of a technical kind of thing because yeah. we could go long hours of yes. just nerding out about <laughs> equipment and uh, techniques. You know, it's so fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining. I mean, I think there's so much more we could be talking about. That's 
yeah, like, you I'll always. probably have to like, bring you back on for, yeah, for I feel more like, episodes. Yeah, we should yeah. turn the tables because I feel like you have a few good things out there to get One or through. Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess last but not least, as we're wrapping up, um, if there's a person out there watching who's an aspiring filmmaker or aspiring creative at all, and uh, and they're worried that they may not be able to make it, or, right. or, or you know, they're, they're thinking, man, I, I want to be able to do what I love for a living. What words would you give to them? I know this whole interview kind of was that. Yeah. But if you could sum it up just in your heart, you know, little sister, little brother type of person who just yeah. is wanting to do what they love for a living, what would you say to them? Um, I would say that you're definitely not alone and not being where you want to be. And, you know, the thing with life is that it's full of good and bad. And then when you look back on life, we often forget, like, the bad moments, you yeah, know? Yeah. When you look back on a good year, it's like, oh, that year was so good, but you're, you're forgetting some of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just to stay real and to not compare yourself because looking up on social media and seeing someone just living their best life <laughs> is not real at the end of the day. I, I've seen people post projects that I know they shot months ago acting like they're working right now. Yeah. 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 And it's like, I get why you're doing that. You're trying to like, Hey, I'm in demand. I'm working, but it, it's kind of tough on other people thinking that you get to work all the time. Yeah. So I think just knowing that, you know, a lot of us, we, we just don't post when we struggle, but we all do. Um, and none of your favorite <laughs> uh, filmmakers or yeah. inspirations got where they are without any kind of struggle, you know? We all do it, it's part of, you know, it, when yes. you write your book someday, you want to have these and appreciate the, the experiences that life gives. You know, just don't give up. Um, take an opportunity, a free opportunity, uh, even if you got to be an extra on a set. Yeah. Meet the right person and go for the job that you want to do. Yes. Um, climb the that. ladder if you can. Yeah. But you know, have a goal in mind and have a reasonable goal in mind. Yeah. Some of our year goals are meant to be 10 year goals. So, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. and then some of our 10 year goals could have been a one year goal. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, just be real. Yeah. Be real. Having logical steps. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to generally come out here and, and make it where you want to make it. And a lot of times it might even be 20 years till you're finally satisfied <laughs> if you get to that point. But it's just, yeah, yeah. just stay real and, and don't, I think comparing yourself is the worst. Yes. It's the worst thing. So the one thing I, I want to just emphasize is do not compare yourself and don't, you know. I love that. Believe that yeah. everyone else is over there living their best life yeah Cause they're Cause, not because then we're just thinking it's like we're seeing their highlight reel and we know our behind the scenes and right. we're like oh behind the scenes it feels like i'm barely keeping it together but everybody <laughs> else they haven't figured right out. Like, yeah nah. or, or just you know if yeah. you're stressing making sure that oh i gotta make sure it looks like i'm working like at the same time consider the fact that that is making someone else feel like they're not yeah doing it right yeah doing enough uh, so, I like you know, that. It's a beautiful yeah. message. Great, great. That's well, <laughs> what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining, Katie. I appreciate I, it. I, I enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we'll, we'll have another I one. We'll get to too. geek out some more. Many therapy sessions. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. Okay.
Look, they can never keep me down, I'm going And if I ever fail, just know I'll go again I never quit, cause I know that every loss May lead to another win, I'm going no Who the best in this thing? Tell them, yeah, that's me Tell them, who bring the vibe? Say, yeah, that's me Who make it flip, make it bang, ooh 